Hello, my name is Dwayne, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is January the 5th, and we are going to look at part two of the question, is water baptism for the body of Christ? And the past couple of uh, lessons that we've had together, um, we went over this subject. Let me go ahead and pull up uh, the notes here. Um, got everything. There you go. All right. Um, we started out with question, where are we told in the scripture that we are to be baptized? I don't know about you, but I was raised a Baptist. And practically, I don't know of any denomination that doesn't baptize. Um, and among those that do baptize, uh, there's uh, various views on the significance of that baptism. Some say that it's required for salvation. Uh, you're not going to go to heaven unless you're baptized. And then others will say, like I said for so many years, baptism is not required for salvation, but it's required out of obedience. In other words, it's a public profession of your faith. It's, uh, you know, and I would go back and quote verses like, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father that, that's in heaven. And baptism is you standing up and showing the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, things like that. So, well, since I have come to a mid-Acts position, uh, meaning that I, I do not believe that the church, the body of Christ, was born in Acts chapter number 2, that Acts chapter 2 is still very much Old Testament. Um, it is uh, still very much about the nation of Israel uh, being offered the kingdom and subsequently rejecting that kingdom, that the body of Christ did not come into existence until the Apostle Paul. And Paul was the first member of the body of Christ. So uh, since I've come to that position and I begin to view all everything prior to Paul uh, being Old Testament, when you look at the two primary arguments that are used for baptism today, they come out of Old Testament scriptures. Um, now, I know our Bible, your Bible, has a page in the middle between Malachi and Matthew, and that page says New Testament. Well, I mean, um, I guess it could be uh, written better, New Testament offered, <laughs> because even now um, we're not living in the New Testament. And even if we were, the New Testament or the New Covenant is not for the body of Christ. It is for the nation of Israel. It's not for the, the Gentile. It's for uh, the nation of Israel. So, you know, when, you, when, when your theological world gets crashed like that, you got to start asking questions if you're basing your arguments on scriptures that you don't even believe pertain to you anymore. And the first thing we looked at was the two primary arguments. Where do they come from? They come out of the Gospels. Um, the first, you know, the first uh, argument for baptism comes out of Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And um, we know in these verses, this is where we see John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord. 
Um, and he, he starts talking about how you need to bear fruits that are meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. Again, John the Baptist is not addressing Gentiles here. He's addressing Jews. And he warns them. He says, the axe is now laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that bringeth not forth fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard and even some that I've preached where I've, I've went around talking about how you need to bear fruit. Um, and again, there's a lot of principle, there's a lot of application, but John the Baptist isn't talking to you and me, he's talking to the nation of Israel. And he said, I indeed baptize you, who's you? The nation of Israel, with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me, Jesus, who's mightier than I am and whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and he's going to baptize you with fire. And these three baptisms here, uh, we've looked at these, um, neither one of them have to do with the church. Neither one of them have to do with the body of Christ. John was baptizing Jews. His baptism was baptism of repentance. And then after him, he said Jesus was coming. Jesus was going to baptize them, who's them, the Jews, with the Holy Ghost. And he's going to baptize them, Jews, <laughs> with fire. And if you look at the context, um, the, the uh, let me see right here, the water baptism John offered was for repentant Israel. The baptism in the Holy Ghost was for believing Israel. And that didn't happen under John, that happened at Pentecost, who accepted Jesus as their Messiah in Acts 2. And the fire that would come would fall on unbelieving Israel. And that fire, that baptism by fire, is bad. <laughs> because it says, whose fan is in his hand, in verse 12, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, and he will burn the chaff up with unquenchable fire. That's the fire baptism. Uh, so here we have three, bapti three baptisms. Repentance, Holy Ghost, and fire. Repentance was for... Repentant Israel. Uh, Holy Ghost was for believing Israel. They accepted the message of Peter, who was given the keys to the kingdom. Whatever he bound would be bound. Whatever he loosed would be loosed. He loosed the kingdom. He offered the kingdom. And those who accepted that offer were believing Israel. They repented and they were baptized. And they received the Holy Ghost. And they spoke with tongues and you know all of that. And then the fire was going to fall on unbelieving Israel. Israel. None of these baptisms are for the body of Christ. None at all. So you can't start your argument in Matthew chapter number three. And then the next argument that's made is, well, Jesus was baptized. Yeah, but we're still in the Gospels, okay? Um, you know, they look at the, these verses, then come to Jesus in the Galilee and the Jordan and to, uh, unto John to be baptized of him, but John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and you comest to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. Why? For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus' baptism was an example for the Jewish nation to follow. Okay, you can't look at Jesus' baptism and say, well, Jesus was baptized, therefore I have to be baptized. No, Jesus was exclusively 
ministering to the nation of Israel. He was ministering to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Matthew 15, 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus' baptism was to set the, the example to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 3, 15, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So if the house of Israel wanted to be right with God, they needed to repent and they needed to be baptized. And therefore, they were filled with the Holy Ghost in uh, Acts chapter number 2. So Jesus' baptism was unique in that it was required, just as, just as Moses spoke of, for the priesthood, Jesus is our is not our high priest. Uh, see, that's my filter coming out. Um, Jesus is Jesus became the high priest of the nation of Israel. He's not our high priest. We are not kings and priests unto God. We are not a royal priesthood. The nation of Israel is a royal priesthood. It's the nation of Israel that, that has physical promises where they will rule and reign with Christ. You faithful over a few things, I'll make you rule over many things. All of those verses are in regards to Israel ruling and reigning with Christ physically on this earth in the millennial reign of Christ, of which the body of Christ, our promises, are not earthly. They are spiritual. Uh, and we'll talk about that as we get on. But Jesus was the high priest of the nation. And we went over all these verses in Hebrews. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Who's his brethren? Jesus was a Jew. It's referring to the Jews that he might be merciful and faithful to be a faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of who? The people. And that, that those sins of the people he's referring to there is referring to the nation of Israel. Now, all of these verses in Hebrews, and we looked at every one of them. Jesus was made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the Old Testament, when Aaron was chosen, he was washed with water. When his sons stepped into the priestly office, when they were to step into the priestly office, they too were washed in water. In Exodus 29, verse 4, And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and you shall wash them with water. So when Jesus says that I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness, in other words, I'm doing what the law prescribes for the priesthood. But Jesus wasn't a priest after the line of Aaron. He was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And the nation was supposed to follow his example to fulfill all righteousness. As foretold in Exodus 19.6, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt, thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. It's Israel that is a kingdom of priests, that is supposed to have been a kingdom of priests. But they rejected it. Okay? Right now, I'm doing a Bible study on Romans chapter number 11, which we also completely destroy in that we try to stick the church in there. Um, Romans chapter number 11, I, I'm, I'm convinced more and more and more, has nothing to do with the body of Christ. It's got everything to do with just Jew and Gentile. 
Jew and Gentile. And the Gentiles that he's that and Jews that he's speaking of is both believing and unbelieving Jew and Gentile. And the Gentiles specifically he's referring to is proselytized Gentiles who had come into Judaism, not the body of Christ. Um, but again, that's another study for another day. So God was going to make the nation of Israel a kingdom of priests to do what? To reach the Gentiles. His desire was to come, send his son, die upon the cross, raise again, fulfill Pentecost, the nation would repent, the nation would be baptized, he would bring in the tribulation, complete Daniel's 70th week, and then he would use the nation of Israel to reach the Gentiles during the millennial reign. In Isaiah 49, 6 and 7, and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation to the ends of the earth. God was going to use the nation of Israel to be a light to the Gentiles, to be his salvation unto the ends of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings, shall rise, shall see and arise. Princes shall also worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel. He shall choose who? Thee. Who's thee? The nation of Israel. Isaiah 61 through 3, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the nation of Israel. And behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon thee, and his glory shall be upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. So God was to use the Gentile, use the Jew to reach the Gentile. Baptism was to fulfill all righteousness that the nation that the nation would repent and follow him in that baptism. And God would use them to be priests to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies in regards to them reaching the Gentiles. That was plan A. And we've already, you know, go through my Acts study. Plan A didn't work. There's also a fourth baptism. So we have the baptism of repentance. We have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We have the baptism of fire. But there's also a baptism of... Uh, that is is spoken of um, in Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? So there's a fourth baptism spoken of um, here in Luke that only Christ will take. Uh, this, of course, speaks of when God the Father baptized his Son with the sins of the world on the cross. So, we have seen that there are four baptisms mentioned in the Bible. Water, Holy Ghost, fire, and wrath. Water by John, Holy Spirit and fire by Jesus, and wrath by God upon his own Son. The problem with all these baptisms is that none of them are for the church today. None of them pertain to the church today. Even Paul, 
The apostle to the Gentiles said in 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So the apostle Paul that was sent to the Gentiles said, Christ didn't send me to baptize you. Now, that baptism Paul's talking about there is a water baptism. That, that's the baptism that they were used to seeing, that John the Baptist did, that Peter did, that the apostles did. And, and Paul says, Christ didn't send me to baptize. How could he say that? After all, Christ did tell the twelve to baptize. You remember in Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Again, who was Jesus speaking to there? He was speaking to the Jews. He was speaking to the apostles. They went out to baptize. Um, and again, we, we look at that, we look at that Great Commission, and we quote that in the body of Christ today. The Great Commission had nothing to do with the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not called to baptize people. Paul said, I wasn't sent to baptize. The issue for those who can't seem to put it together is that Paul was not one of the twelve. He was never meant to be one of the twelve. Even though I have heard many say, including myself, that Peter and the others messed up by choosing Matthias, when they should have waited for Paul. I can't tell you how many commentaries. Open up a commentary and read that. Again, Paul's calling was different. His, while the twelve was sent to the nation of Israel, Paul was not. Paul was sent, I mean, not only did he minister to the nation of Israel, but he was called to the Gentiles. Uh, in Acts 9.15, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before who? The Gentiles. Okay? Uh, the others were not. In Matthew 10, 5, these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. The twelve were not sent to the Gentiles. Paul's ministry was distinct from the twelve. The twelve ministered to Israel. Paul not only ministered to Israel, he did, but he ministered to the Gentiles primarily. Today, the only baptism that is for the body of Christ is that of the Holy Spirit. And that occurs at the moment of salvation. That is the only baptism for the body of Christ today. Uh, Paul explains this in Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. He's not talking about a water baptism there. He is talking about a spiritual baptism. 
In Ephesians 4, there is one body, there is one spirit, even as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He's not talking about a water baptism. Our baptism is not with physical water. To teach that water baptism is required in any way is contrary to the teachings of Paul and the gospel of grace. Another interesting point that E.W. Bullinger points out is that water baptism is only spoken of in Paul's Acts period epistles. That would be Corinthians, Romans, but never again afterward. Paul did not deal He didn't even talk about the issue in his post-Acts epistles. Now, when I say Acts period epistles, I mean the epistles that were written during the time of Acts, during Paul's ministry between chapter 9 and chapter number 28. And the epistles that he wrote are what we call transitional epistles, and those can be difficult to rightly divide because Paul is addressing both Jew and Gentile in those epistles. But in those epistles, where it is mentioned in Corinthians and Romans, um, it's never again mentioned afterward. Um, In his post-Acts epistles, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the pastoral letters, he is only speaking of spirit baptism into the body of Christ at conversion Again, Paul also shows us that what was physical under the old program is now spiritual under the new. The old program being the the gospel of the kingdom to the nation of Israel. But under the new program, which is the gospel of grace, it went from a physical to a spiritual and we can see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 12-3. For as the body is one and has many members, are all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. For one by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. You see, all of that language there, is not talking about water baptism. When he says we have been made to drink, I mean, you think of water, but he's not talking about water. He's talking about spiritual. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And if and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. How can you be circumcised without hands? Because it's not a physical circumcision. It is a spiritual circumcision with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That's all spiritual. Buried with him in baptism. He's not talking about water. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. How? Through faith. You don't get up out of water through faith. 
okay, through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, again, that's that's um, that's physical, the uncircumcision of your flesh, meaning they are not Jews. He has quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all of your trespasses. So again, Paul shows that what was physical under the old program is now spiritual under the new. Again, a move from the physical under the law to the spiritual under grace. Our identification in Christ is a spiritual one. It is not a physical one. Everything for the church is spiritual. We are a heavenly people. The Jewish nation is an earthly people. Our promises are spiritual. They are not physical. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Our promises are spiritual and heavenly. They are not physical and earthly. Big difference. And again, I've learned to watch my language. You know, I mean, we are not a kingdom people. We are not looking for the kingdom. We're not working for the kingdom. We're not bringing in the kingdom. We're not the kingdom. The kingdom is an earthly, physical blessing for the nation of Israel. The only conclusion that I can draw is that to baptize today is trying to make the church Israel which is exactly what most do, whether they, they, they will admit it or not. Um, to baptize today is to make the church Israel. Now, of course, covenant theology, reformed theology, I mean, they boldly proclaim, you know, that, that they are spiritual Israel. Well, they're not. They, they do it based upon a mistranslation or misinterpretation of Romans. Romans chapter 9 through 11 is about the Jew. It's not about the body of Christ. And the Gentiles being spoken of there primarily is talking about the Gentiles as a nation. It's dealing with physical Israel and physical Gentiles. Now, yes, it does talk about believing Jews and believing Gentiles, proselytized Gentiles. But again, they, they get this uh, replacement theology that the church is Israel because they misinterpret the book of Romans and they believe that they are now spiritual Israel, that Israel rejected and now the church has taken over. Now the church has all the blessings and the promises and they're under the new covenant. And again, all that is a misinterpretation. Now, again, there are those who are not reformed. I mean, I was raised I wasn't raised Reformed Baptist. I was, I was raised Independent uh, Baptist. But still, when you baptize somebody, um, whether it's for salvation or whether it's for merely obedience, you're taking your marching orders from the Gospels. And the Gospels was speaking to the nation of Israel, not to the church. So it's Paul. He is our apostle. And it's his teachings that we need to follow, not the teachings of the Twelve. It's his teaching that we are to follow. 
uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be ye followers of me, even as I saw I am also of Christ. Paul said, follow me. In 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul is saying, what I write unto you is the commandments of the Lord. Paul is our apostle. And people get all bent out of shape with that. Um, I read this the other day. Anyone who feels uncomfortable with us saying that we follow Paul needs to remember that Israel followed Moses. Israel followed Moses. Moses told them what to do, where to go, when to sit up, when to sit down. He followed as, as he followed God. So Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. The only way to rightly divide the word of God is to realize the, the significance, the distinctiveness of the Apostle Paul. He was not one of the twelve. He was not meant to be one of the twelve. His ministry was different than the twelve. Um, and again, I, I have this in here, which is completely out of the Bible. Said, he was the first in the line of sinners to be, the, be part of the body of Christ. Um, he says in 1 Timothy uh, 115, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, again, that, that word chief, that's an unfortunate translation there. It just means whom I am first. It, he, he's not saying there, I'm worse than anybody else. He's just saying, I was the first one. And he says, how be it for this cause, I obtained mercy that in me first, and it's the exact same word as the word chief. I guess I can show that to you. Might as well. Uh, right here in verse number 15, you see here in uh, second in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is the faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am protos. Protos meaning foremost, in place of order, beginning, first, chief, okay? And then when you get down here, how be it for this cause, I obtain mercy that in me first. Notice it's the exact same word as chief in the previous verse. It's protos. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here, I am the first one to be saved into the body of Christ. Notice what he says. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Who is them? You and me. Anybody else that came after Paul. Paul says, I was the first one. And again, unless you realize the distinctiveness of Paul, you're going to get it all wrong. <laughs> you're going to get it all wrong. Um, E.W. Bullinger once said, It is the reliance on tradition instead of the study of the Bible that prevents people from understanding and enjoying it. Um, we are raised in denominations, and we are given filters. 
So when we open the Bible, we don't open the Bible for information anymore. We open the Bible for confirmation. Uh, he also said in his work, The Foundations of Dispensational Truth, that Christians have all been so long tied to the tether of tradition that difficulties are met within connection with being able to rightly divide the word of truth. Tradition. It, it stops us from being able to, to rightly divide the word of truth. Everything that I've just explained to you, your tradition, your filter, is fighting against it. What do you mean? Well, you know, it shouldn't be baptized, you know, and, you know, because I, I've heard that my whole life. Well, again, read the Bible. <laughs> um, I'll end with this. The problem with most Christians is that they are like they are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and set. Um, they just, you know, and and I can I know some of my brothers who are on this journey with me can attest to. Um, when you speak these things, they they look at you, you know, like you're like you're a heretic. No, we're just rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, we are just recognizing that there was a different ministry that the twelve had and the ministry that Paul had, and that there is a difference between Israel and the church, the body of Christ. They are not the same. There are different promises. Israel's promises are earthly, they're physical. The church's promises are spiritual and heavenly. They're not the same. And I hope this study's helped you. It certainly helped me. Um, and uh, if you got any questions, shoot them my way. Uh, but God bless you guys. And uh, I think the next study, uh, I'm going to do a study on the priesthood, uh, just showing. You know, a lot of people go to Peter, you know, say we are a royal priesthood. Uh, no, uh, Peter wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Peter was ministering to the house of Israel, and he continued to minister to the house of Israel. So we're going to talk about that, and then maybe down the road I want to talk about the issue of uh, the olive tree, Romans chapter number 11, um, and what all that means and why there's so much confusion. And then maybe one day we'll delve into a verse-by-verse -verse study of Galatians and or Romans. So, well, God bless you guys. Remember that God loves you wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.